All right. At this time, very quietly, the kids are dismissed uh, for kids' church, and so if they want to quietly make their way to the door. Hey, we're, we're excited. We're going to continue our series on stories of the kingdom, and I'm excited because Pastor Adam Kress is coming to share with us this morning. So let's welcome Pastor Adam. He's all excited and ready to go. Very excited. Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Okay. All right. Well, so we are on week three. All right, so we got some people that are on track, paying attention. All right, good, good. So we're on week three of Stories of the Kingdom. Who remembers what week one was? What did we talk about? We talked about the parable of the sower, right? Pastor Dave preached on the, how the productivity of our faith is connected to our receptivity of his word. And last week, he talked about the parable of the wheat and the weeds and how dealing with weeds that the power in us is greater than the power against us. Uh, this week, we will be um, looking at the story or the parable of the unforgiving servant. Uh, this story is found in Matthew chapter 18 at the end of the chapter. Um, beginning of the chapter, before this, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples about who is the greatest in the kingdom. And he talks about how being, having childlike faith and being like a child is considered greatness in the kingdom. We also um, hear of the parable of the lost sheep where Jesus paints us a picture of how much that God uh, values those who are far from him and how much he loves them and will go after them um, in a good way. And then um, we also see Jesus talk about how we are to deal with um, other believers that we have conflict with. Um, so that's a great piece about interchurch relationship. It's a good read. Um, but today we're going to be focusing uh, verses 21 to 35 in Matthew chapter 18. Um, so, some of you may or may not know, um, I was a child at one point, and when I was a child, I, I grew up in the church, and I heard words like grace and mercy and forgiveness and all those good things that you hear in church. And as a child and young teenager, uh, those words meant very little to me. I, I kind of just got used to hearing them. Um, I didn't really understand what mercy was, what grace was, and what those really meant to me. I, had, I said the prayer, and I asked forgiveness of my sins and all that fun stuff, but it just it wasn't very impactful. I mean, it's probably not terribly uncommon in children for that to kind of be lost for a little bit there, but um, I was a very passionate child when it came to justice and feeling like I was owed justice when somebody wronged me. Did anybody ever have a feeling like that sometimes? Or ever, at, maybe when you were younger? Not when, now not when, when we're old and mature and got all together. But maybe when we were younger, you know, I, I was very, very much into it. If somebody did something wrong to me, I wanted to make sure that they had their just desserts and not the good kinds. Consequences, I wanted them to have, their, have consequences, punishment. They owed me something. They wronged me. Um, and as a child, I would leave it up to my parents, but if they failed me in that department, I would take matters in my own hands and try to administer justice. That doesn't always work well, but um, that was the goal. That was what I felt was right. Those were, that was right, that I was paid what was due to me because somebody wronged me. Um, 
It wasn't until I was older, later teens, early adulthood, not as early adulthood, that I learned what mercy meant, and that it was, a, it was undeserved kindness or undeserved grace that, you, that I was given something that I didn't deserve. I was given um, forgiveness for what I did in my relationship with God that I didn't deserve. So I didn't, I didn't catch that until a little bit later in my, my life story as of this point. Um, I'm not that old, but it just does feel like a long time ago. Um, and a lot of times we face similar um, situations where somebody wrongs us. Has anybody ever felt like they've been wronged? Nobody, wow. We should probably just end this now then. No. <laughs> um, we face these situations with people in our, you know, whenever you're close to people, conflict arises, correct? People at work, people, your, your friends that you hang out with, church people maybe, um, and family. You know, there's conflict, there's things that happen. People say things, sometimes we say things that we're not proud of, other people say things to us that's like, oh, how dare you? But you just said something else, but that's besides the point. So we have all these different situations and, it, and how we treat people in these situations matter. We always have a choice in how we conduct ourselves, how we deal with these situations where we feel like we're wronged. Um, and that really just kind of brings us to like the meat of this parable. The main thought that I pulled out of this when I was um, looking at this was that the kingdom of God models how to show mercy to others. Okay? So we're going to read the text, and then I'm going to just talk about a couple little things out of it that I found that were relatively interesting, and um, we'll see how they apply to us. Um, so verse 21 says that Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. When the king called in the man he had forgiven, and the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in that story. So we're going to cover a couple things that I found. First thing that we see out of the story is that we have had a debt forgiven. Now, for us good church people, that is, that is common knowledge, correct? We sinned, we went to God, he forgave us. But I think sometimes because we're so used to hearing about being forgiven of our sins, 
that maybe we lose a little bit of the, the gravity of it. Okay? So this, in this parable, we have this servant who owed the king millions of dollars. Different translations say thing, numbers like 10,000 talents. Now, how much is 10,000 talents worth? It says millions, but I like doing math sometimes. Um, don't tell my ninth grade self this, but math is actually kind of fun. But um, so 10,000 talents in weight is equal to about 375 metric tons of silver. That's a lot of weight, that's a lot of silver. So, well, how much is that? One metric ton of silver is 35,274 ounces of silver in a metric ton. So that's a lot of ounces, okay? So in the total amount, it's 13,227,750 ounces of silver in 10,000 talents. Well, that's great, that's a big number, but how much is that? Does anybody know the current value of silver? Any guesses? What, what? Nine an ounce, $9 an ounce. Think higher or lower? Higher? Twenty-five. Did you Google it? No. Okay. It, it, I checked. I double-checked it last night because it changes daily. Twenty-five dollars and one cent is the current value of silver per ounce. So if we were to convert that thirteen million and some odd change of ounces of silver into a dollar amount, that would be three hundred thirty million six hundred ninety-three thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. Easy debt to handle, right? Who wants to take take that burden? Nobody. All right. So we'll take it one step further, just, just to kind of drive it home a little bit. Everybody make money, usually, to some degree? So New York State average salary is just under $60,000. It's $59,752 annually. That's the average New York State salary. Okay? So if you, were, if you made that amount of money and you took every penny you made in a year, you didn't buy any food or pay a mortgage or gas or anything, nothing. No other expenses. You just put every penny towards this debt. How long would it take you to pay it off? <laughs> well, if you could live long enough, it would take you 5,534 and one half years to pay off the debt. So forever, pretty much. It is this volume of money that's talked about in this parable is an impossible debt. It's something that no single person that's incurred that much debt could go to the king or the guy they owe it to and say, oh, give me a little bit more time. I'm going to pay it all back. That's what he said. He said, I will pay it all back. Um, which Pastor Dave actually made, made a good point you know, about the king who gave this guy $330 million of credit. Never cut him off. You know, he still extended credit to this guy knowing that there was no way. You know, so he gave him mercy in two different, two different aspects. The ongoing of letting him accumulate the debt, and then when he goes to settle the account, he just cancels the debt completely. Our debt, our sin, cannot be made right on our own. It's a debt that we can't pay back. It's something that we owe. It's an impossible debt. 
this, that requires the act of a king, an act of mercy, to forgive us of what we owe him. Not only that huge amount, but continually. Because, I mean, well, maybe it's just me, but from the moment that you were forgiven of your sin, you guys have been perfect since that moment, right? Never made a mistake? No? Okay, good, so I'm not alone. So every day as we grow and we continue to follow Jesus the best we can, we make mistakes, right? You know, we say things that we don't, we wish we could take back. God continues to give us that mercy. He continues to forgive us because he will, that's who he is. And this act of mercy in this parable sets the tone for this servant's future interactions. Because we see, shortly after, the second thing we see in this is that those around us owe a debt. This servant who owed hundreds of millions of dollars had somebody else out there that owed him money. So this, this other servant owed him a smaller amount, owed him about a um, hundred denarii, which a denarius was about a day's wage. So about a hundred days worth of wages he owed this other servant. So this guy was extended all over the place. You know, he was loaning money and borrowing money at the same time. Not a good financial practice. Um, so a denarius, a single day's wage, if we use our example of just under $60,000 annually from our previous amount, that's about $230 a day. So this guy, today's terms would owe about $23,000 to this guy. Not a small amount, but not hundreds of millions of dollars. So he gets his debt forgiven, and the first thing he does, he walks out of the castle or out of wherever the king is, and he goes, he finds a guy, he sees a guy, grabs him by the throat and says, give me my money. We can see um, a lack of mercy in this guy. So he had an opportunity with this gentleman, obviously, to show the mercy that he was given. And I thought it was really interesting that the servant that owed him money used the same plea that he used with the king just moments before. Be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded the same thing. Be patient with me. But the, but the, the servant that was forgiven said, no, I want my money. You owe me something. I need it. So this, forgot, this, this uh, the forgiven servant was exercising his right to be paid back. And we can see in this unforgiving servant how mercy, the mercy he was given when his debt was forgiven, didn't take root in his heart. It was just a financial freedom moment for him at that point. Financial burden was lifted, but it did the impact of what that was didn't take root in his heart, and therefore he did not give mercy when he, found, when he came across somebody that owed him money, somebody that owed him something. Another thing that, that we see in this passage is that the kingdom of God requires us to show mercy. So when the king finds out that he threw the other guy in jail for his small debt that he owed him, um, 
he was not pleased. He was not pleased at all. Um, and he asked him, he's like, he's like, well, he tells him, I, I gave you, I forgave you of this tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? He was expecting him to take the mercy that he was given and to extend it to a much lesser degree, obviously, because millions versus thousands, there's a difference there, but he expected him to carry that forward. And then we see the king who, who, who brings some harsh consequences to the servant um, and jails him and tortures him until he pays the debt back. Mercy and forgiveness should be evident in the lives of those who have been shown mercy and forgiven of much. We are expected to show mercy when it goes against our own rights, our own rights, our, our, our desire and our, our desire for justice, I am owed something, and to forgive people who maybe we feel like they don't deserve it. But we don't deserve to be forgiven, but we were forgiven. So how much more should we forgive the others as well? So the question is, how do we show mercy to those around us? One is to recognize the mercy that was shown to us, okay? We had an impossible debt that we couldn't overcome on our own. And after that debt was forgiven, we are continually shown mercy throughout our walk with Jesus. And God keeps forgiving us. We, you know, because we, again, we don't, we don't do things perfectly. I'm, I'm very sorry to tell you this. We are not perfect yet. We make mistakes. I make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. And he continues to forgive us. And I think continually asking God to, um, to continue to bathe us in his mercy and to allow it to grow deep in our hearts so that it will naturally come out so we can show mercy to those around us. So when we recognize the mercy shown to us, we can allow mercy to move us. Like I was telling you before when I was younger and I didn't really understand what mercy was, and I didn't understand the mercy that was given to me, I didn't give mercy out to anyone else. But when I kind of had that realization and it kind of took root in my life and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I, did, I, I was getting forgiven of so much and this person, you know, tripped me walking down the street. It was my brother, but that's besides the point. You know, it's like, I can forgive him of that because that's nowhere near what I did. When, when we exercise mercy, it can feel like we're giving up something, like we're giving up a right, something that we're owed. And it's because we are. We are sacrificing our feelings of being, feel like we are owed something for the benefit. Again, mercy is undeserved kindness, undeserved favor. We are giving somebody who deserves a consequence, we're giving them grace, we're giving them mercy, we're giving them forgiveness. Another thing that we can do, understand the consequences. Everyone loves consequences, correct? I have spent a number of years with my children um, helping them understand what consequences are. Because I remember I was having a conversation with them one time and I said, because you did this, this is going to be your consequence. And the question was, what's a consequence? 
And I was like, well, all right, here we go. So I explained what consequences are, and I've spent a lot of time helping them understand you have decisions that you make, choices that you make in your life, and those have consequences. Some are good, some are not so good. And understanding, like, things you do have consequence. The things that we do have consequence. How we treat people has consequence. You know, this servant in the parable was tortured and jailed until he paid his debt back. That doesn't translate into anything for us other than there are consequences for not extending the mercy we've been giving, given. I'm not going to try to figure out what those are. I don't want to find out what they are. Again, we have a choice. So as we move through this life and these people that are around us and face challenges and struggles, we can rest in the knowledge that we have been given a mercy that is unmatched. As we let that penetrate our lives, we can let it move us to extend that mercy to those around us that hurt us. So this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is like a king that shows mercy and expects to be show, expects mercy to be shown to others. Let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the great mercy that you have shown us and the grace that you give us by dying on the cross and forgiving us of our sins. Lord, we thank you for the mercy that you give us on a daily basis as we try to figure out how to be more like you, less like ourselves, and to, and to uh, treat people better. Lord, we ask that you would just um, continue to work in our hearts and drive us to um, really grab a hold of the mercy that you've given us and to ask for your mercy continually. And in return, reflect that same mercy that you've given us to those that are around us that sometimes we feel hurt by Lord, we ask that you would just um, give us mercy for the things that we've said, for the way we've treated people. Lord, we ask that you would um, just continue to grow this truth of mercy in our lives as we, as we grow in our community and interact with the people that are closest to us. In your name we pray. Amen.